Hello and welcome into the 23rd episode of the Promo Guy podcast, brought to you by Mojo, the stock market for sports. Mojo is the sports stock market, offering probability-based odds, live cash outs, and a one-of-a-kind player prop selection. And now, the creators of Sunday Slams are bringing you an all-new way to play DFS. Sign up using code TPG for a 100% deposit match up to $100. As always, I'm joined by Nick from Blue Duck Media. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a it's been a good day. We're recording on a Wednesday for the first time. I've spent the whole morning uh, DMing with Matt Canada on Twitter. Oh, and... so did you, did you did you look up what happened after I told you? Yeah, yeah. You I, for those just before we started recording, TPG was like, "Do you know what's going on with Matt Canada?" I was like, "I have no idea what you're talking about," and just spent the last ten minutes and in, going into a deep dive. What what an idiot! <laughs> it is so funny. <laughs> so for those who don't know, Matt Canna is the offensive coordinator for the Steelers. He's kind of been a longtime coordinator uh, in college and a little bit in the NFL. And the Steelers offense has struggled this year a lot more than people expected. A lot of people are blaming Matt Canna for it. He has taken to a burner Twitter account, most likely, uh, to kind of defend himself. And the reason why people figured out it was a burner, other than the fact that all of the guys' replies were defending Matt Canada and kind of shitting all over the Steelers players, the other coaches. Uh, a lot of I, like a lot of the messages were like, you know, first it was this coordinator, then that coordinator. And now it's going to be now it's going to be Canada's fault. When are people going to realize that it's Tomlin's fault, that it's Pickett's fault, that it's the offensive line's fault? You know, stuff like that. Like he was just blaming everybody else. And the reason why they figured out that it was him, other than that, was that if you they tried to, I guess, log into his account on on Twitter, like log into that account that kept defending Matt Canada. And it asked if it wanted to send a confirmation code to, and then it's it, it kind of had the email spelled out. And it was like M-A, a bunch of stars, like C, a bunch of stars, at S, a bunch of stars.com. And people could, you could basically <laughs> piece together that it was, Matthew Canada at Steelers.com or something, you know, something like that, uh, which was clearly his work email. So not only was he stupid enough to have a burner account, make it obvious enough for people to check if it were him, but he used his work email as the email for the Twitter account. And I think yeah, he gets I like mean, Bozo of the Week or something. Yeah. I mean, is there going to be like real like consequences from this are the, is this going or like are we going to see matt canada let go in the next week and a half uh I, I wouldn't be surprised so this actually a similar thing happened in the nba playoffs with uh one of the refs i'm now bl- blanking on his name yeah uh, i remember is, is eric lewis or something i, I don't know I'm, I'm blanking on the name but one of the refs i guess had boston ties and a lot of laker fans and just nba fans in general would kind of point this out. They would they would attack him. I, I think he was involved in the, you know, LeBron should have got fouled at the end of the Lakers-Celtics game. And he basically created a burner account. It was clearly him. I forget how they figured it out. And was like bashing the Lakers and saying, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's my fault that they're below 500. Like, I've only ref two of their games. He was showing stats. He didn't say I, obviously. He, was saying, he kept saying whatever the ref's name was. But he did the same exact thing. He ended up, it all came out like in the playoffs because he made a face during, I don't remember if it was the Celtics Sixers or Celtics Heat Series, but he made a face after a basket went in or uh, from the opposing team. Like it looked like he was rooting for the Celtics. 
And this all came out during that time. And he wasn't allowed to rep the NBA finals. So I feel like this is a real thing and probably more obvious than that one was just because of the email. But I, I think there, there could easily be repercussions for it. Not yeah, to mention, I mean, it doesn't help when you're not doing well at your job, right? Yeah, I also think that the ref situation is kind of just someone defending themselves. And like, there was no, there, there's no downside. He wasn't like, oh, it's the other ref's fault. There was no like negativity pointed towards anyone. And if there was, it was like, they're not that good. That's not my fault. I don't see how a coach can continue to operate and like demand respect within that building after shitting on other players and coaches. Right. I think that there's like inherently being a coach, you need to be like demand respect. And I don't really see any of the players like being able to respect just, this guy, yeah. answer this guy. Also Tomlin last week said in his post-game press conference, there's going to be some serious changes this week. So there was a chance that Tomlin was going to take back over offensive play calling duties anyway, is what I was hearing. So I, th- I wouldn't be surprised at all if, they let him go in the next week and Tomlin takes over the offense. Yeah. I, I think that the ref one is, was just as bad only because like, you can't be like shitting on LeBron and then going and refing his game, you know, like calling him a crybaby and then going and refing his game. Like, it's just hard to feel like the ref is not biased at all. When you see him go on Twitter and like being biased basically. But I agree. I, I just can't get over that. He used his own email. I mean, that was, like, obviously, I'm sure a ton of these guys use burner accounts, but for an offensive coordinator, like not a player, but like, you know, an older guy with a job not relying on athleticisms out here, like, like you know, it's not like a college kid being dumb with a burner. It's like a adult with a professional career who's dumb enough to use his work email for his burner Twitter account. It's it's uh, it's a pretty bad look. But yeah, anyway, something else, but let's keep it moving. Let's keep uh, it moving. Let's hit the state of the stack. Uh, how's it been this week? How's it been this week? Uh, been a bit crazy. I think, I think, uh, we made out okay. Uh, I would say, and we're going to do a segment with like the worst beat and the best beat. So I won't get too into like the specific plays. Uh, but I would say it was kind of like a tough Saturday, rebounded a bit Sunday, had a pretty good Monday. I think Thursday was down a little bit. It all sort of, washed out um there was kind of like a few big swing plays that helped and hurt us uh the big one was the washington play at the end where you know they were they were up big and then you know i'll get into it later but basically they ended up screwing up two two big bets for us uh but there was definitely some good especially on on sunday and monday sort of help rebound and i think we can we can kind of move on from there so that's that's the twitter account discord bit of the same the the officials did well uh there were you know it was it was a pretty standard week overall we had a nice mgm beat which i'll get into that that helped mgm a lot there, there were bad beats as well kind of the whole thing but pretty standard week for us i would say about flat small up sort of overall with everything other than the officials which did well well, that was a pretty quick state of the stack, but I do think that this week pretty good because we have. Because I'm saving a, the bad beat and good beat stuff, yeah. Yeah, I figure, but we also have a bit of a longer gambling landscape update this week because we have some actual news to talk about. 
Prize picks seems like they're going to be limited in New York and Michigan. And you mentioned that when we were talking before that you think this is an indicator of where the industry is moving. I purposely did not ask what you meant by that because I wanted to ask here. So can you explain to those who haven't seen yet what happened with prize picks in New York and Michigan and what you think the outcome will be across the gambling landscape? Well, I think, I don't know if it's so, okay. So what happened was, Prize picks and underdog and, and a lot of this daily fantasy stuff that sort of has seemed like very close to gambling, a lot closer to gambling than it is to to fantasy, uh, has been outlawed in New York and Michigan. It's possible more states follow suit. Frankly, I'm not that tuned into it. Uh, but what I thought was interesting was just that how hard DraftKings and FanDuel work to get this done. Uh, obviously, they are they viewed the growing relevance and popularity of Price picks and underdog as competition, as stealing market share. Uh, so it wasn't just relevant to the Florida, Texas, California states that FanDuel and DraftKings can't operate their sports books in, but it was relevant in you know New York and Michigan and, and others. So they, they kind of worked together to, to get this done. The reason why I, I said, you know, it's interesting what this kind of signals for the future of, of sports betting is that I think FanDuel and DraftKings are just sort of begging for this to be only a couple sports books and ultimately get to a place where, you know, they're sort of trouncing the competition, making it whatever you want to call it. What is it? I'm going to sound stupid here. Like oligarchy. What's the. Yeah. Like there's like two or three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's, you know, ultimately what they want and spending their, their dollars towards rather than, and this isn't taking a shot at them. It's rather than, you know, investing more into, their platforms and and marketing and all that they're like okay let's just get rid of some of the competition this was sort of an easy one and they were especially in like new york where the taxes are so high for price picks to be operating and not paying it uh, at least not at those fees at those taxes all that was probably frustrating for, for those those sports books so i think it's interesting to signal like they're sort of like can we please get to this but i think it's yeah they definitely won this battle and that's great but i do think there's just a lot of sports books coming and not a lot leaving. I know people have been saying the opposite, you know, ever since, I don't know if you count Barstool leaving because ESPN is coming, but like, you know, there were like the twin spires of the world that were no longer around. There've been a few that have, that have sort of fallen by the wayside, but they keep getting replaced. Like feels like, you know, Fanatics just got a license in New York and they're going to keep growing. Bet365 is growing from state to state. Um, ESPN bets coming. We've talked about that before. Like what, you know, what is the worldwide leader in sports? going to mean in terms of market share presence. But uh, I think that this might be kind of a tough battle for, for FanDuel and DraftKings if, if they ultimately want it to be this sort of, there's only two market share type place. I mean, Circa entered Illinois. I, I know I've been sort of negative on Circa's chances of, of reaching sort of like bigger popularity than what they have. But it feels like a lot of places aren't going away. And, and FanDuel and DraftKings will have to continue to market to do promos uh, and and improve and you know keep improving their app in order to maintain or grow their market share, even with this you know win in the battle, I think that they're they're still struggling with the war a little bit. Yeah, I mean, does this spell doom for some of the un- other players that we're talking about often? Uh, like, even though this affects prize picks the most, are does this have to be? a huge red flag uh, for our friends at Mojo, Underdog, Sleeper, et cetera? Oh, I'm pretty sure Underdog is not in, in New York either. Uh, like, It's not just price picks that's 
that's involved. I think it's a lot of daily fantasy stuff. I think uh, when we spoke to Mojo, they felt like their fantasy platform might have uh, a better chance. But yeah, I mean, I think that there's, you know, all these companies that have known that the regulatory risks, you know, I've talked to several of these places or places that sort of wanted to be and they wanted my opinion on sort of, you know, gaining market share and entering the industry. And like, they, they were, they've all been well aware that this was a, a, a big possibility and, and something that might happen. You know, I think that it's not really a secret that Underdog, you know, hopes to have a, a sports book at some point and, you know, grow from from where they are currently. Uh, I, I'm not sure on the price pick side of that. But yeah, I, I think that a lot of people thought that this level of fantasy in, in every state was going to be hard to sustain. But it's really for them, I think that it's obviously a big deal, but I think that Florida, Texas, California are those three really big states that these apps are the only options in. And that's really where their their sustained growth would have to come from. Uh, but legalization becomes a huge, a huge risk there. So I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, it's it's not it's not a good day and to be price picks. <laughs> let me clarify. Are they limiting just the fantasy scoring games or would it be limiting all the props? Like I use price picks a decent amount. I rarely do the more or less on how they'll uh, perform against their fantasy uh, projection. Would like Justin Fields over rushing yards still be allowed on prize picks or is it just their fantasy score gaming that wouldn't be allowed? Oh, I'm not sure, to be honest, but I think that it's I I saw any player prop is not going to be sort of loud. I, I assume it's a lot of, it's all basically the more or less stuff in New York. I think like DFS lineups are still okay. Cause if I remember right, the courts like ruled that those were uh, games of skill or whatever. But I think that this just looks too much like sports betting, which is legal in New York and Michigan, but these, these places don't have licenses to operate and they're probably not willing to pay the regulatory fees and, and the taxes that come with it um, just because, why do that when you have FanDuel and DraftKings to deal with? You know, you're better off uh, dealing in like California where you don't have the same competition. Yeah, gotcha. Excited to see how this plays out. And I mean, hopefully, I mean, it's the yeah, only it's, thing, the only legal so, gambling I have in California. So hoping, <laughs> hoping that sticks around. Yeah. So anyway, let's move to Grants My Gears. Yeah, excited to hear you wanted to surprise me with this one. Uh, what's got you fired up this week? You know what really grinds my gears? So I had so many to choose from, to be honest with you. And I actually forgot the one I'd been planning on doing all week. So I'm actually just going to do the one I was doing all week. And we can talk lightly about some of the other ones. But this one goes out to Barstool. Okay, I got this from uh, one of my followers who some of you may know, Clay, sent it to me. And... These are the barstool rules on same game parlays when it comes to bets pushing. Now, voids, they handle it regularly how they should, but when a, a bet pushes, so that would be, you know, you have plus three and the game ends with, you know, the, the team winning by three. So the bet pushes. This is what happens. If one or more selections of the within the SGP is pushed, such as when the outcome of the game is exactly what you bet on, the SGP portion will push unless one or more selections within the SGP portion settled as a loss. So what does that mean? That means, and I've got the chats to prove it from him, that if your SGP pushes and then the rest of your bet loses, so one part pushes, one part loses, you will lose. And his bet was, it was Notre Dame plus three 
And then there was a like a player prop involved. He had two different bets. One was Notre Dame plus three, player prop that won. His bet pushed. However, a different one with Notre Dame plus three and a player prop that lost in his SGP, it lost. <laughs> and that's actually in their rules. Chat confirmed it. So this is a no-win situation if you ever push on Barstool in an SGP. They will count it as a loss if your bet loses, but they won't recalc winnings if, you're, if your bet wins. Like the way it makes sense to do it is you either void the whole thing, just like they do with voids, if one leg pushes because, you know, it was a correlation thing, like any SGP and it's hard to recalc. I understand that. So then just push the whole thing or void the whole thing. Or you just recalc like, okay, one one bet put, one leg pushed, the other leg won. So we're just going to pay out the 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 winnings. We're, you know, we're going to pay out the winnings of the leg that won. And if it loses, we're going to count it as a loss. They don't do that. They just say you either push or you lose. It's ridiculous. Don't do pushable lines in a bar stool SGP. Shame on them. So that's that's the grinds on gears I'm doing. I think that it's the most egregious that we have on the on the table. There are a few others I wanted to do that were a l- little bit more fun. I was expecting something else in this spot that uh, that I prepared for. Uh, <laughs> that barstool stuff is kind of crazy to have all pushes be graded as losses. Feels insane. Losses or pushes, yes. There is no way you can win if you have a pushable line in SGP, but there is a way you can lose. It is absurd. The other one I was going to do that you did prepare for, Kirby Smart saying that every SEC team should be ranked. I understand this is hyperbole, but it's it's very much a down year. And there are several like quite bad teams in the SEC. I mean, obviously, there's no way you, you would think that like Vanderbilt should be ranked. He's just doing this because their schedule is really soft. The team's looking a little vulnerable. And he is honestly with decent reason nervous that it, if they lose a game, they may not make the playoff. But, you know, the Pac-12 looks like a better conference right now. Honestly, all we have to go off in a single year in college football is how you did in your non like how the conference did against teams outside of their conference, right? It gets tough when you play each other. And the SEC has a lot of benefit of the doubt as they've deserved as the best conference for many years now. But they got their butts kicked outside of conference. And a lot of teams that that don't even look that good, right? In conference, like a lot of the big games they lost when they when they went up uh, against Alabama lost to Texas in Alabama and South Carolina lost to North Carolina at South Carolina and Miami kicked Texas A&M's butt. Like a lot of their marquee games and non-marquee games out of conference, they lost. Not to mention like Vanderbilt losing to, what was it, UNLV or something. So I don't like when coaches do this. Worry about your team, get them better. Like in week four, posturing about how every SEC team should be ranked as sort of like this convoluted way of saying you play a hard schedule when... Frankly, you've struggled with a mediocre Auburn team that barely beat Cal. You, you know, you've struggled with your entire mediocre schedule so far, and you don't have much that's all that difficult ahead of you. So, uh, yeah, that that one grinded my gears as well. But Barstool, yeah, over the last few years, there have been so many seasons where it made sense to say that, where you had a dominant. Georgia, Alabama, plus Auburn put doing something special and LSU feeling scary. This just doesn't feel like the year where the SEC, I understand why he's saying it. It's because the SEC doesn't have all the attention it normally does. And normally every single talk show is led talking about the dominance of the SEC. And now the Pac-12, funny enough, in its last year is the conference that everyone wants to talk about. So, I think that the Pac-12 deserves a playoff spot, like almost reserved for them <laughs> because 
they actually have so many good teams, and, and I don't think any of them and are. And unfortunately, they might all beat each other up. They, they, and... I mean, they really do with the way the schedule's set up. But, like, if there is a two-loss champ, I think that they will have a very strong argument, uh, especially the teams that did well out of conference. But, like, the whole conference did so well out of conference. And also, I forgot to mention Florida State dominating LSU. Uh, it's just, like... The SEC just really struggled uh, when it came to to playing. Uh, Florida got their butt kicked by Utah. Like, how, I don't know how you recover from that. And also, I don't know how you say, oh, every team in the SEC should be ranked, even though all of the SEC teams lost when they played their out-of-conference games. Like, you can't tell me South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Florida, Auburn, Arkansas, Mississippi State, like, and, like none of these teams should be ranked. LSU's actually ranked, and I'm not sure why. They, you know, they've got two losses and got their butt kicked in one of them. And their wins are against Grambling and then Mississippi State and Arkansas. Like, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think that 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 was pretty lame with Kirby Smart. But anyway, I actually had a bunch more grinds in my gears. FanDuel SGPs adding VIG. FanDuel's at FanDuel's of like 10 minutes ago, now having bet boost at $20. But we can talk about that maybe next week or later on. Uh, Anyway, let's cut to break. Yeah, Nick? Yeah, we'll be right back in a second. We'll do our Mojo Thursday Night Football Play of the Week. We found a fun EV play. Um, we'll we'll hit some good beats, and we're bad do... beats, and the big thought of the week. Cool. I'm in love with Mojo Fantasy. It's a crazy new app that turns sportsbook odds and selections into fantasy contests. Here's how it works. There are thousands of NFL and MLB player props. You build a portfolio, and the better your portfolio performs, the more cash you win. Pick as many props as you want and try and beat the crowd. Also, you can compare their lines to sportsbook lines to help yourself beat the crowd. Always EV bet. <laughs> anyway, it's that simple. Make picks, make moves, make money. Check it out on the App Store now. They're coming to more states and adding more sports soon. All right, welcome back in. So the first thing we're going to do is Big Thought, which is we're going to do a little... Not devigging, but kind of like process-oriented conversation. So yeah, a little peek behind the curtain. I've been wanting to see some of how you do what you do and how you find your plays. So I asked to see a little bit of a peek behind the curtain on what your process is, and I feel like it's something that your community and your audience is really going to want to hear. So um, let's hear it. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of it's just looking for stuff all day. I, I have certain processes, but I kind of wanted to go through. So most of the week. A lot of times when I find plays, it's I'm not like looking for a specific play. And I might be going down a rabbit hole of, oh, this looks good. Like, let me look at the correlation, DVIG, like whatever. But and then it's like, oh, there's a good line. You know, I'm on multiple like uh, line shopping sites. I'm doing a few other things uh, on my own that I look at. And then like stuff just sort of pops up. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be good for this promo. Like I look through all the promos for the day in the morning. And I just sort of know like, okay, we've got this MGM boost to do. We have this DraftKings MLB boost, this FanDuel PBT, like, and I'm just going to look for good stuff all day. And then if I can match it up, great. But on like a Sunday morning, I think it actually becomes a little bit more easier to explain and, and better to illuminate on what I'm doing like on a Sunday morning where I don't really have that luxury of, hey, I'm just going to look for good plays and you know, if it matches up with the promo, great. And then if I can't find anything that matches up for a promo, like I'll start, you know, sort of channeling in like, okay, I need a DraftKings MLB boost. So what happens when on a Sunday morning, I'm like, okay, I need this play. And I think actually a DraftKings MLB boost is a 
is a, is a really good place to start because I actually get the most questions about that. I have like these total hits plays that I've been doing. So like, what do I do? So the first thing uh, I search through sort of like, you know, again, like the multiple line shopping things, anything pop out. Then I sort of, if there's nothing that's decent there, I'll quickly look through like the money lines and the run lines uh, just to see if there's anything decent, like a really good money line run line. It almost never happens. I have like my own SGP stuff that I look at, but for the most part, like I'm probably not putting that on Twitter as well as like, there's probably nothing that's, that's uh, good enough. If, if we've gotten this far into the day or I'm like, okay, I absolutely need this. It's probably not going to be on the SGP side. So that's where like knowing what places that might be good on DraftKings or on selected book are good. So then that's when I look through the total hit stuff and it's ended up being the solution a decent amount recently with, with pretty good success. I think we hit two of the MLB boosts this past uh, week, weekend. So why total hits? Well, it's only on Caesars, Typico, obviously DraftKings and Bet365. Those are the only places that have the market. So it's not ideal. But the nice thing is there are differentials and they don't seem to look at each other at all. They don't seem to hit really the odd screens because a lot of the odd screens struggle with when when places are at different total hits totals. So for example, uh, I did the Twins line the other day. It was really good. It, it kind of stood out. It was, DraftKings was at 19 and a half. I don't remember if the over was minus 105, minus 110. It was in that range. Let's call it minus 110. So Caesars had it minus 141, minus 104 for the over, which is crazy big, but whatever. But minus 105, I think it was minus 105, actually. Minus 105 is it divigs very well to that because the fair line for that's around minus 120. So it was plus EV to Caesars, but then it was crazy good to get to. So Typico was favored over 22 and a half. And then Bet365 was favored over 22 and a half. And if you've been following along with these total hits lines, but you could do any sort of like standard deviation of total hits in a high over under game, or, you know, it's actually going to look pretty similar to like an NBA player's points at 19 and a half. Um, it's going to have a little bit less standard deviation just because like those those points can come in a bit more bunches but so you have to reduce it a bit but uh still like a 19 and a half versus 22 and a half line is going to be great ev so so people have asked like why are you doing the total hits lines well for player strikeouts for no run first inning for you know money lines and run lines like whatever you're not getting that kind of value so that's where I'm finding it with total hits line. Uh, the same thing sort of applies to like, there's an NFL DraftKings boost for this past Sunday that lost where I did both teams to, to score a passing touchdown. And I've used that market a few times. And again, I don't like spelling out a lot of things just because, you know, you don't want them sort of uncovered and ruined. But I think these are the kinds of, you know, baseball is kind of over and these are the kinds of things that are harder to ruin, right? So whatever, um, I'm happy to just sort of do like a quick, this is an example, but both teams score a passing touchdown. Well, there was the Steelers Texans line that was minus 125. Like if you devigged can be, if you devigged, you can't because they don't have the over-unders, but if you devigged bet 365, that was good. You devigged can be, it was good. If you devigged barstool, that was good. Like that's just a line that doesn't pop up on these line shopping sites. And these line shopping sites have made it harder to find plays. Like it's good that you have them, they help you, but also like it's not very often that like so a very standard no one first inning line is is good for very long. So, you know, same thing with a lot of like the, the NFL stuff. So why did I do the both teams score a passing touchdown? Because if you devig the SGPs of all these places, 
It was really good for the Steelers game. And it was also very good for the Dolphins game. And it's slightly better than that because like Pickett got hurt and we, we weren't dead yet. Mitchell Trubisky could have thrown a touchdown, right? So it's actually even better than, than the D-Vig to other places. So I, I would say overall, some of it is just looking for good lines all day and spending time on that. Uh, it always helps that you know where to look because I've been doing this for a while because it's all I do all day. But when, when it sort of becomes crunch time, a lot of my process involves going to markets that I've found edges in in the past and really searching through those because you can't just wait around for something to pop up and then you give up and you, you put it on a money line. Like there's high, there are high EV plays out there. I've done like the, the head-to-head player prop stuff in the past. Like some of those were really good. Uh, you know, my goal is always to find a plus EV line before the boot. Boost. That's that's always that's always been the goal. But you know, when you have 20 minutes left, <laughs> you know, it's 1240 and you haven't found anything. Yeah, sometimes you kind of gotta cave and go with the best available. But so during crunch time, I'm definitely looking at, at places I've had an edge in the past. If I can't find anything on like a line shopping site and nothing sort of jumps out, uh, I'm definitely searching like very particular markets. It's no secret that for the MLB, I, I go to total hits when sort of all else fails. And honestly, I've gone to it earlier and earlier just because that is where I've found, I've found the best success. And I guess the last thing I wanted to just point out is like my process, which might be different, even it's it's different than even when I started out. When I started out, you know, I had a full-time job. So I'd get out after work and you were immediately working against the clock and it had to be, okay, best available, right? It was always best available. But now I have the luxury of on a normal weekday of, eh, there's nothing really good in MLB right now you know, I'll save that promo for later. Let's go look for a different promo or let's just go look for good lines and then then they'll match up with whatever promos we have because we have so many freaking promos these days. Here's a, here's a good question. What would you say your total hits is in the MLB? I mean, in the NBA or the NFL? Like what is the thing where it's 30 well, minutes game time? What is the place where you find yourself going because you tend to find m- most value there? Well, you know, the, the the reason why I felt comfortable going with, you know, speaking about the total hits, one, because baseball is basically over, but two, because like, it's no secret at this point. I mean, they've had daily MLB boosts and sometimes it's, you know, like DraftKings follows me on Twitter. It's not like they don't know that I'm doing total hits plays, at, you know, 75% of the time. So for that, like, you know, I, I feel kind of comfortable getting into it, but every sport's different. Well, it's it's not really about the secret sauce. Just like you know, whenever whenever you you put out edges, stuff gets you know people are like oh oh interesting, and then you know then they start looking at it more, and people start playing it more, and then it just sort of is gone. So uh, you know, I'm pretty careful about being as subtle as I can about about certain things, and sometimes it is just about you know a one off decent line. Uh, so for the NBA, I don't know what it'll be. To be honest, DraftKings didn't have a ton of like. Here's a 25%, here's a 50% boost on any NBA bet today. They didn't have a ton of that. So this will be not new because, uh, you know, I'm intimately aware of the, the DraftKings offerings and all of that, but it also always changes year by year. I didn't do total hits last year in MLB, right? It always sort of changes and moves and you got to be able to to adapt with it. Um, so for the NFL, like, yeah, I, I really enjoyed and they, they seem to have taken it away. So I, I guess I can talk about it now. I, I did enjoy like those head-to-head player props, you know, you could find sort of advantages there. There are, you know, other markets and then the SGP stuff. I'm, I'm also pretty comfortable. I'm looking at SGPs all day, but you know, for the non-SGP promos, like, you know, you just lately have done some of the both teams score past. Like that's, 
almost a one-off. I've, I've only done three legs. Not like it's always good or anything. Same with the total hits. Sometimes like I look through an entire MLB slate and there's no really good total hit stuff. Like this stuff fluctuates, but there is always sort of that, okay, DraftKings tends to be favorable here, be able to find something here. Nothing good has popped up all day or all week or whatever, depending on how long the promo lasted. Like we got to go. Okay. I'm going to go into X market that I found edges in in the past because I know I can get at least close to a fair play there, or maybe I can do better versus, you know, I don't necessarily always feel like I am against the clock a lot of time. I, I like to be patient, you know, for the up 10 promo. Like, I love being patient there. Like, but am I looking pretty much all day at like the money lines and sometimes a line pops up that's really good. And I'm just like, all right, let's do it. Let's do it early in the week. But keeping your sort of optionality open is important because the second you lock in a bet, you are saying that is the best bet I will find for this promo all day or all week, you know, depending on how long the promo is. So people like to ask, like, or people like to say, oh man, you're really working hard today. Like, you know, like this past Friday, you know, you just pumped out like 10 promos today. Like you must've been working really hard today. I, that might, I might be working less hard on that, you know, this past Friday than I do on other days because I'm, I'm basically giving in, like, this is the best play we're going to find. I'm looking at this stuff all day anyway. So like, if, I, if I'm saving stuff, it just means that I think that we can do better than what's best out there right now. So, wh- yeah. so when I do something early, it usually means it's really good. I mean, obviously, like I'm, I'm a person like anyone else. If I have like a, a wedding that weekend, then I'm less optimistic. I'm going to be able to find something better than what's out there in a day or in two days. But, you know, I would say that generally if I put something out early, it's probably better than something I put out late. And that's simply due to the fact that I'm committing to... This, this must be really good or I would have waited to see if something better pops up. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the, I don't know, I hope that answered a few questions about how I look at things, why why I've done all these total hit stuff and, you know, when I choose to pull a trigger or not. So some of the stuff, I uh, that's why that you end up seeing like a lot of just late plays for me, like Sunday morning or an hour before, two hours before, you know, just sort of a flood of plays because that is sort of the, this is what we have left. I've put out anything I put out earlier was probably really good. And it was the best play for that promo. And, and I, I, you know, for the up 10 promo, let's say I do it an hour before, I think maybe two weeks ago, I did it like really late, like Sunday at 1240 or something. But I think it was a four o'clock game that I did it on. Oh, it was the bears, um, which I got a ton of grief for. Like there just wasn't anything good popping up all week or it would move in my slip, you know, kind of stuff. So like, I just waited, waited, wait, because something's going to get better or it's just not. And you ran out of time and you go with the best available. I would say I've gotten pretty good at knowing when something will be better than what's best available. Like I still think that bears line, which moved up to plus 525, it was plus 475 and plus 500, like all week. I wasn't committed to the bears. I, I would have done a different play, but I'm just saying like, if you stay patient with it and you're only focused on the one promo, you can usually do pretty well and get, get a decent value even still. Um, even with it being not an early type day play, which again, I would say on the whole probably are better, but yeah, um, that's sort of my, how I think about how I go about it because I I just love keeping the optionality open, but I'm not a fool. fool. Like if there's a really good line like that, that's probably, and especially in a market where it's hard to find a really good line, like the Ole Miss LSU one where I I end up doing minus three and a half at plus 190. Like I, I put that one out early because it was a really good line to other books. And that tends to be like a that those game of the week 50% boosts, they don't give you a whole lot to work with there. Those tend to be 
like wide markets in college, you know, you don't have the player props uh, available everywhere. So without player props, you know, you tend to be stuck with first half totals, highest scoring half maybe, and then like the point spreads, the money lines, the total. So if you if you end up getting like a really good main line on a college bet, even if it's three days before, like I'll kill my optionality and say, hey, that's a really good one. Maybe, maybe something better pops up, but I think it's more likely than not that it won't kind of a deal. And that's that's sort of why I did that the Ole Miss one, but maybe I held up. But if there wasn't that minus three and a half line, I would have just held it. And I would have said, hey, we can find something better in the next three days. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly super good to know and feels like it gives a lot of insight into how you approach it. I think the most important tidbit that I take away is when I see a play that comes out super early, I know that you feel very confident that that's the best value that you're going to get. So that's something that you want to jump on right away before any line moves or there's a correction back to where the other books have the number. Um, yeah, no. Well, I mean, one other example that always comes up is like those no run first inning, yes runs first inning lines where like the, the DraftKings boost that they give out where sometimes I'll do it right before the game. Sometimes I'll do it really early. As soon as that promo drops, I'm immediately checking line. Then I'm like, okay, it's, it's you know, this past one was the Phillies Marlins plus one, 105 minus 135. We had a boost, but it was like plus 110 minus 130 was kind of the inside everywhere. Like there was no, there was no edge at plus 105 minus 135. So I waited, so I waited, so I waited. Usually sometimes we'll get lucky because some, some, some promo account or some non-promo account will tell their people, oh, I'm, playing yes run for sending either for the boost or for not the boost let's like just some there's some action on one and then they, they they completely flip it and that usually creates a good one and then i sort of like to jump in but this one was actually different i waited i waited nothing got better wait caesars just moved to plus 120 for yes run first inning wait pinnacle just moved to plus 128 minus 150 DraftKings is about to move towards the under like all these books are starting to move towards the under uh, Circa hadn't moved, which is a whole nother funny conversation. Like people are like, oh, you only need to look at the the sharp lines. Well, Pinnacle was plus 128 minus 150 and Circa was plus 110 minus 130. So you tell me, you tell me they're basically zero hold to each other. Again, not that I don't lean towards these places, but like, you know, sometimes you can look at more than two books because those two books, you get conflicting information. Uh, and then just to me, the no run first inning became kind of the clear play. And I sent it out, even though nothing had moved. So yeah, it's it's a bit of a, a game in that sense. But the cool part about all this, and then I'll stop repeating myself, is that you get to use the boost at any time. Nobody's forcing you to use it until the game starts. So you don't have to lock yourself into a play unless you feel good about it or unless you feel like you're, you know, this is like probably the best I'll do. Yeah, makes sense. And I mean, it's nice that you have that as like a saving grace if, the, if you're not finding any value. As long as the books keep giving you boosts and give you a, a wide variety of things to play, uh, you'll always have something to go to. Yeah, just sort of that, unless, sprint, that sprint and Sunday morning of like, all right, this is what we got left. Like, let's go find the best available for all. And I still get picky with it, but like, there's no, it's no longer like I have time to wait. It's like, no, I need a FanDuel SGP plus 30% boost for the one o'clock games. It is 1230. Uh, and you know, you want to get it out by 1245 and I've got, but like, luckily in that situation, I've probably gotten everything else done so I can just like really lock in and I have my correlation stuff that I like to do. So I kind of know where to look, which helps. Like I know which promos will, will take me longer and take me less long to find something at least of value. But I, I genuinely spent 
on Monday night, probably like two hours looking for uh, a FanDuel SGP play and got really frustrated by how much VIG they've added to everything. But again, I still, like, I still, you still know where to look. And like, I knew what I had in my pocket the whole time. So like I had it, I just kept looking for something better. And then I just put out the original because I couldn't get anything better. Yeah. I mean, okay. yeah, that makes sense. And that rush on Sunday morning is just as fun as it gets. Um, but yeah, let's uh, talk about finding value. <laughs> uh, let's talk about what we found today with our Mojo segment of the day. What did you see that you like? Yes, yeah, so we put this out. So we're one and one on the season, um, but we have profited because the DeAndre Swift rushing attempts was plus 176. Uh, we lost the Waller bet. So we're one on one, but we got the we got the plus one seventy whatever it was, I think it was plus one seventy six. So our third play here, honestly, not quite as good as the Swifter Waller. I'd put it more in like the the two percent EV camp. Uh, it is under two hundred fifty two and a half passing plus rushing yards for Justin Fields at minus one twenty on Mojo. Uh, so here, it, the the EV ranges just because uh, the different sportsbooks range on. Un- his total there. FanDuel is the best at 240 and a half. And then the the highest number is 244 and a half. So, you know, I have it in sort of that that very low uh plus EV range. If you're gonna play a Justin Fields under, I would, you know, I would suggest to go to Mojo, which definitely has the best price for it. Uh, you know, all these other places are minus one fifteen for uh either 244 and a half or, or even less than that. So uh, that would be our, our, our mojo play of the day. You know, it's not a full unit play or anything. I got to be careful now that uh, that we're, we're putting this out where it's actually potentially playable. We'll see if the episode drops in time. But that, oh, that's the episode the will drop in time. So I'm excited that people will find right. it. The, the last one we us. haven't actually put it out where, you know, we're just trying to show that it doesn't take very long to find, you know, some plus EV plays on mojo. But this took us all of, I don't know, six minutes to find. We went through all the props compared them to the books. And uh, this was was this was definitely the best one out there. Uh, Sam Howell under one and a half touchdowns at minus 120 was okay, but it was slightly negative EV and actually the same price as bet 365. So this was this was definitely the, the best play uh, available. And it, and it is uh, slightly positive UV based on my standard deviation calcs from 240 and a half to 244 and a half. You know, it's closer to fair at 244 and a half. It's obviously positive at 240 and a half just depends on what books line you use for like as the main line well excited that this one is finally getting posted in time for everyone to play i signed up with code tpg uh, put in a hundred dollars got a free hundred dollars have been playing along so far one and one um so excited to keep playing i'm excited that your our audience finally gets to play along with us um we've got we're, we're running a little long but let's go quick five minutes at the end here Tell me the best bad beat and the best good beat that you had this past weekend, and we'll call it a show. Oh, that's right. I forgot we were doing that. Okay. So I'll start with the worst bad beat, which was – so we had two bets heading into the you know the, the late game, which was Washington, uh, Arizona. They were the third leg of a FanDuel boost for plus 300. That play was Washington needed to win by 10-plus. And – at one point, the live line was 30 and a half, but uh, it got late into the game and they were up by uh, 10, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to pull up the score. And it's first and goal at the five. So this is, they, they punch in the touchdown and there's, there's basically no way for, for, uh, for Arizona to come in and, and, and spoil the bet. But we fumble at the five after not scoring first and goal the previous possession. And this is Washington against Arizona, a massive favorite 
arguably the best offense in the country. Twice, they, they don't score in the red zone. Second time, they fumble at the five. So now it's Arizona ball at their own five. And they go all the way in and score a touchdown. So this was the worst beat of the week. Cost us a plus 300. Like I said, at one point, you know, all we needed was Washington to win by uh, 10. And the live line was 30 and a half at one point. They just needed to score two tries. First and goal, you know, these are each 90 plus percent that they're going to score and score a touchdown. And had they scored a touchdown on either of them, it not only would have won us the plus 300 FanDuel boost, but this was the third leg of a uh, FanDuel profit boost token, which would have hit another like plus 400 hit, which was the over. And had they scored on either one of those, the over would have hit. But we end up falling a couple points short, I think four points short or something like that. Uh, maybe five points short, but under a touchdown. And so instead of winning both by them just punching in from the five, we end up losing both. So that was the worst beat of the week. Definitely painful. Uh, sort of like would have been a really good Saturday and turned into not a good Saturday, turned into a down Saturday. Uh, so that that was the worst beat of the week. Best beat of the week. I mean, you could argue it was the NASCAR boost for sure, uh, just because of the nature of like, you know, the exciting finish at the end. Uh, but I feel like that's any sort of racing thing. And I know that some people struggle to get it. So I'm not going to call that the best beat of the week. I think the best beat of the week was uh, a Discord play. It was one of the MGM SGP boosts. Uh, they do like one of the Barry boosts. We had Seahawks over, I believe it was three and a half or, you know, it was, I think it was three and a half first quarter over for the Seahawks and then under, I don't remember the exact number. I don't remember if it was six and a half or two and a half or whatever for the Giants in the first quarter. But it was 0-0, so we needed the Seahawks to score a touchdown. There's about a minute left in the quarter, <laughs> uh, and the Giants have the ball. So this bet is as dead as they come. And, you know, completely had written it off. Assume it's dead. All of a sudden, sack fumble. Seahawks get the ball like the 18. Two plays later, Geno throws a passing touchdown to Metcalf. With as the time expires, there's zero seconds left on the clock, and the bet hits uh, on that play. So that was definitely—I I don't know about definitely, but I, I think that was the best beat of the week. That, that being was in such a position a, where that was such a wonky you, first quarter in that Giants game. I, I remember like it kept. They there were so many penalties. They kept putting time back on the clock. Uh, yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah, and just you know not having the ball turning into and then like. Even a pick six happens, but even after the fumble, you're probably not going to win that bet because there's not a lot of time left. But they, you know, they were able to score. I'm looking now. They were able to score in two plays, it looks like. Yeah, they scored in two plays, which completely bails out with zero seconds on the clock. Thrilling <laughs> end to the first quarter and to win that bet. So that was the best beat of the week uh, and the worst beat of the beat week. Well, uh, it was a good week overall. Excited for our audience to play along Mojo Thursday night. This episode will be airing Thursday, so hopefully everyone gets to listen to it and sees it before uh, before Thursday night football. It's a fun episode. Awesome. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, everybody. Make sure to uh, rate, review, subscribe. Check out you know all of our previous episodes and check me out on Twitter, Discord, all that fun stuff. Pick it and have a great day. Love it. See you next week. Goodbye. Okay,